0: Amen. You may be seated. It's good to see all of you here this morning. It's been good to be worshiping together our great Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And now we pray that God will bless the preaching of His Word to administer grace unto us, that we may be able to receive this Word and that it may bring comfort and strength to our hearts We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark chapter 13, and I'm just going to read again verses 1 through 4, but we're really going to be looking at the whole chapter this morning, so I hope that you will turn there and be looking with me as we go through this chapter. We're still going to kind of do uh, an overall view this morning of this prophecy of Jesus Christ. So I just want to read verses 1 through 4, starting in Mark chapter 13, verse 1. Then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said unto him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we look at this word this morning, I just pray, Father, that you will fill us with your Spirit. Father, that you will speak words of... ...life and of truth through your word. Your word is truth, and we pray that you would sanctify us through your word. Father, fill us um, with that spirit of understanding, with that spirit of power. Father, that our inner man might be strengthened by this word... ...and that we might be able to better serve you in our lives. We ask this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to title this, The Perfection of Jesus' Prophecy... The perfection of Jesus' prophecy. Last time, we looked at why the temple was destroyed. And we're we're talking about the temple being destroyed. We're talking about what was called Herod's Temple. And it was destroyed in the year 70 A.D. And we read of, and we're going to be studying and looking at, the prophecy concerning the destruction of this temple that Jesus makes here in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13. But before looking at the when and what the sign would be, which is what the disciples asked, and then what Jesus would go on to answer, we looked at last time about the why, because the why the temple was destroyed is of greater importance than the when and what the sign would be. And it's not what they were thinking about then when Jesus made this prediction of what was going to happen, but they would see its greater importance after Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again, and ascended. They would then go on to see the greater importance of why the temple would be destroyed in 70 AD and now what Jesus had set up here on this earth and how what He set up in the kingdom of God and what the church of the Lord Jesus Christ would, was to become was to replace what the temple signified. So they would come to see that. And so we thought that that was important. Uh, to look at last time, and I hope that that was a blessing to you. And it will continue to be in our thoughts as we go forward and look at the rest of this chapter. But before we dive into and look at the particulars, and we, we try to look at how Jesus answered the disciples' question of when this would happen and what would be the sign of these things to come, I think it's just important for us to behold the perfection of Jesus Christ In this prophecy. To to see how he perfectly predicted everything that was going to happen. And not only perfectly predicted everything that was going to happen, but he also was so wise in the way that he told it to his disciples and how it would be a great comfort and a blessing to them in this prophecy. You know, when you read a lot of the prophecies in the Old Testament, you'll have the prophets come and they'll say, Hear the word of the Lord. right? And the word of the Lord is... Judgment is coming upon you, right? Because of your sin, because of your rebellion, because of your disobedience, then God, because He is a holy God, because He is a just God, He said if you disobeyed Him, if you turned from Him, that He would send judgment upon you. And a lot of times their message would come and it would be, this is the judgment that's coming. But oftentimes, even in that message of judgment um, from the prophets, there was a message of hope. Right, Even in the midst of judgment, there was a message of hope that said, the Lord, even though He's sending this judgment, He will relinquish the, the judgment after a time, and you will return to your homeland. You will rebuild the, the, the walls that were broken down. And so there was always this message of hope. And we see Jesus even doing that more perfectly in His, in his uh, prophecy concerning the temple destruction. He gives them message of comfort and a message of hope um, and something that they could cling to even understanding that this would happen and so we must understand Jesus' prophecy in this chapter in the context of which uh, in the context of the question that the disciples asked him right if you take out the question or first the prediction that Jesus made, and then the question that the disciples asked Him following that prediction, if you just take the verses that follow and you just take Jesus' prophecy without considering that, then you can go astray in understanding what this prophecy was answering and this prophecy was about. So understanding the perfection of this prophecy, we must understand that the context of this prophecy was after Jesus made the prediction that this temple, which they were awing at, and they were wondering at, and they were, they were asking Jesus to look at. <clears throat> he said, it would be completely destroyed, and not one stone would be left upon another. That would not be thrown down. And then they come to Him privately, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and they ask Him, verse 4, tell us, when will these things be? Right? And what does that refer to? When will these things be? What Jesus said, the temple would be destroyed. When will this happen? And not only that, not only when will this happen, but what will be the sign? What will be signs that we can see that are evidences that this is going to happen, that this is about to happen? And then Jesus goes on to answer both of those questions. When will this happen? And what will be the sign of these things? So it's, it's so important for us as we're studying prophecy, any prophecy, But when we're studying this one in Mark 13, that we realize that that is the context in which we must understand this prophecy. Because there's been other interpretations of this prophecy that says Jesus is speaking of uh, an event in future time. But if we're going to be faithful to the text, then we've got to understand this prophecy in relation to its context, which is Jesus prediction of the temple being destroyed, and the disciples' question about when and what would the sign of this be. And so we have here in verses 3 through 37, Jesus' prophecy of the, ultimately of the destruction of the temple and all the the things that would take place leading up to this, and um, then an exhortation by him for the disciples to watch and be prepared for this to happen. But I just want us to consider a little while for this morning just the perfection of this prophecy. We'll get more into detail about the when and the the signs later on. But today let's just look at the perfection of Jesus' prophecy. And this is not the first time that Jesus has prophesied things to come that have happened. Right? We've seen this already in the Gospels on multiple occasions that Jesus would uh, make a prophecy and it would come to pass. Jesus knows all things because He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. And so He would prophesy about things to come and these things would happen. We see that right after this, right after Jesus' prediction here in the Gospel of, uh, of Mark that as they were going to prepare for the Passover... That Jesus would uh, say that they were to go into the town, and that there would be um, someone there, uh, and that the disciples were to ask that person uh, and say that Jesus needs your upper room for us to go and to prepare the Passover and for us to keep this feast. And he said, "If," and he says that he's going to tell you that, "Okay, you can come and use this room." And it happened just like that. We also remember that before Jesus came into Jerusalem of this last week of his life, that it says that as they were on the outskirts of the city, that Jesus said, I want you to go into the next town. And he says, there'll be a colt there, right? There'll be a colt there who's, who's never been ridden on before. And he says, you're to ask the person, the owner of that colt, and say, the master has need of this colt. If he's asking you why you're taking it, say, the master has need of it. And he'll say, okay, you can have it. And it happened just as they went to the next town. They found the colt tied up. The person asked them, what are you doing? And they said, the master has need of this. And they said, okay, take it. So we see time and time again that Jesus has knowledge of future events. He sees all things that are going to happen. And we see that here in this prophecy that he makes in the gospel of Mark chapter 13. And we see in this text of scripture the absolute perfection of Jesus' prophecy. The main purpose, I think, of this prophecy is not just to answer the question of when these things would happen and what would be the sign of these things happen, but the ultimate purpose of this being written down for you and for me is for, as we look at this, is for us to believe in Jesus, to believe in His words, that all these things that He predicted absolutely happen to perfection. And, there, and therefore, we can trust Him and take Him at His word. This shows us the absolute perfection of Christ and His unmistakable deity as the Son of God. There are others who have, who have read this account and who have studied this account who come away with the opposite idea because they take it out of context and they don't understand its meaning. They say, well, Jesus predicted things here that didn't happen. And therefore, you can't trust or believe in Jesus. But that is because they incorrectly uh, interpret this passage of Scripture. And therefore, they come, wrong, come away with a wrong conclusion. But if we will faithfully exegete this text, if we, will, if we will faithfully look at the context of this prophecy and we'll be faithful to the accounts of history... They'll show us that all these things that Jesus predicted absolutely came to pass and came true. And therefore, Jesus is the Son of God, unmistakable. We'll have four points as we look at this today. Number one, the personal care for His disciples in this prophecy. The personal care for His disciples in this prophecy. Number two, the precise details of future events. The precise details of future events. Number three, the prophetic imagery of judgment that Christ uses. The prophetic prophetic imagery of judgment that Christ uses. And lastly, the provision of Jesus for the perseverance of His disciples. So, there's more to, to this prophecy than Jesus just knowing future events and predicting them. There's a lot of things in here that you might miss if you don't carefully examine them. And I hope that this will encourage you this morning in looking at these things. Number one, as we look at this prophecy this morning and we consider the perfection of Jesus Christ in this prophecy, notice number one, the personal care that Jesus shows for His disciples in this prophecy. He's not just saying doom and gloom is coming upon you. He's not just saying, oh, yeah, you see, the, you see the temple, it's going to be destroyed and everything's going to, everything's going to be chaos and, and, and you need to lose all hope. No, He takes personal care for His disciples and He warns them. He says, I'm, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to provide for you, and I'm going to give you hope. And I want us to look at this, the personal care for His disciples. Jesus starts off this prophecy in verse 5 saying what? Take heed. And it ends in verse 37 by saying, watch. He starts off His prophecy to His disciples saying, take heed, right? Be aware. I'm I'm, I'm telling you these things for your good. Listen to me. These are the things that are going to happen. Take heed to them. Take them to heart. Because he cares for his disciples, he cares what's going to happen to them, and he wants them to be prepared, so he says, take heed, listen up, watch out. And then at the end he says, you need to be on guard, you need to be always watching and always ready. Verse 5, take heed that no one deceives you. He doesn't want his disciples, he doesn't want to be those that he cares for, to be deceived by these false prophets and these false Christs. Verse 7, verse 7, he says, But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled. So here again, you see his care. Do not be troubled when you hear about these things happening, when you see these signs of the coming judgment. Do not be troubled by them. Now, were they going to be afraid for their lives when this happened? Absolutely. Absolutely. Were they they going to have to take personal care against those that hated them and hated Jesus Christ and were going to be persecuting them? Absolutely. But Jesus doesn't want their soul to be troubled so that they fear and they're locked in that fear. He says, don't be troubled because I care for you. I'm going to provide for you through this and I have all things uh, in my hands and I'm in control of all these events. That are happening, and they're all happening for a purpose and a reason. And according to the will of the Father. So don't be troubled. Verse nine, he says, But watch out for yourselves. He is a faithful shepherd, isn't he? He cares for his sheep. And just like a shepherd is always watching out for his sheep, and he's keeping the sheep close and he's taking making a guard over the sheep because he knows that there are those things out there which are going to try to harm the sheep, right? There's bears, there's lions, there's wolves, there's other people who might try to take the sheep for their own benefit or try to might trick the sheep into following them. A faithful shepherd will guard his sheep and that's what Jesus Christ does for his disciples. And part of this prophecy is so that they might be on guard. And he says, watch out for yourselves. Verse 11 says, when this time comes and you're being persecuted and they're uh, bringing you before the councils and they're uh, threatening your lives, he says, but when they arrest you, verse 11, and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand. Now, if if you were living in that day and time and Jesus told you that destruction was going to come upon you, the temple And destruction was going to come upon Jerusalem. And you were living in Jerusalem. Wouldn't you worry a little bit? Wouldn't you be worried about your life and your family's life? Wouldn't you be worried about your occupation and how that was going to affect it? Wouldn't you be worried about if this was to happen, how would you provide for your family? How would you, how would, how would you have enough to, 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 to eat and to live and to survive? What would your future be? What would be the future of your children? I mean, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. You're going to have to flee to the mountains. But Jesus says, do not be worried beforehand. Why? Because He is a faithful shepherd. Because you can trust in Him. Because He's in control. Do not worry beforehand. And when He's talking to them about what not to be worried about, He's talking about when they're brought before these councils and when they have to to give testimony and give an account. He says, don't worry beforehand about what you're going to say. He says, I will give you my spirit and the spirit will help you say what you need to say. Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful. Jesus is, and we'll look at this later, he's providing for what his disciples will need to persevere in the faith through this dark time. He is a good shepherd. Verse 12, he tells them, now, brother will betray brother to death and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. That's, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? I mean, siblings being against each other and, and parents and children being against each other and, and betraying one another and being at odds with one another, you might fear, you might be, you might be worried about those things. He says, and you will be hated... By all, for my namesake. No one likes to be hated by other people, right? We all want to be loved. We all want to be respected. We all want to be honored. We all want to, for others to think highly of us. But he says, you will be hated by all. All kinds of people. Men and women, young and old, educated and not educated. You will be hated all for my namesake. But he who endures to the end... Shall be saved. There it is, the personal care. You're going to endure because I'm going to be with you, and he who endures to the end, he will be saved from these horrible things that are going to come upon those that do not believe. Verse 20. After saying this, For in those days there will be tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. All right, how are you going to follow that up? (laughs) By saying that there's never been a time like this. There's never been a destruction like this. There's never been a calamity like this since the creation of the world and never will there be again. Which we'll actually look at this in a little while and see how this is prophetic language that Jesus is using. But, how do you follow that up? How do you show personal care for those that you're telling this to after you say something like this? Unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom He chose, He shortened the days. Isn't that wonderful? He says, this is going to be awful. This is going to happen and you're, you're going to experience consequences as a result of this happening. But God is merciful, and He has shortened the days of this for you, for the elect's sake. Verse 23, after talking about these false Christ and false prophets arising, He says, but take heed. See, I have told you all things beforehand. Why am I telling you this? So you'll know beforehand because I care about you and what's going to happen. And so you'll know when you see these things happening the end is near. The time is at hand. Take heed. I have told you all these things beforehand. Verse 33, take heed, watch and pray. Verse 35, watch therefore. And verse 37, he just ends it by saying, watch. Right? So... Jesus is showing His personal care for His disciples and those that were following Him by telling them these things that would happen, when they would happen, and also what would be the sign of these things happening. Because He loved them and He wants them to know, I'm going to take care of you through this time. So do not worry, do not be troubled, do not lose heart, do not let fear take hold of you, but instead trust in Me. Isn't that wonderful of Jesus to do that in His prophecy? So we see in this the perfection of Christ in His love for His disciples. It says of Jesus Christ that He loved His disciples. And it says, and loving them, He loved them until the end. And Jesus never stops loving His people. He never stops loving His disciples. And so you and I can take comfort From this and seeing this this morning, that just in the way that Jesus showed personal care for His disciples in this prophecy, He also takes personal care for each one of you, His children, His elect, His chosen, His special bride. He takes care of each and every one of you and this is what He says to you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Even though others may leave you, even though others may forsake you, even if you're hated by your family, even if you're hated by parents or by siblings or by close friends or people at your work, even if you're hated and despised because of Him, because of your testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, He says, do not be troubled. Do not fear. Watch. Just like He told the disciples, you also need to take heart because He is in control and His will is being done. Just like He comforted the disciples, He comforts your heart today and says, Do not worry about the things going on in the world. Do not be troubled about the things going on in the world. Jesus Christ is coming back. And He is on the throne. And His will is being done. Therefore, take heart. Because He takes personal care for you. Not only does Jesus show personal care for for his disciples in this prophecy. But one of the other ways that we see the perfection of Jesus Christ. Is number two. In the precise details of future events. Jesus accurately and perfectly. Details future events that were going to happen in the next 40 years. And this shows us his deity. He lays out a perfect road map for His disciples, that they'll be able to follow. They won't be surprised by anything that happens because Jesus is going to tell them everything that they need to know that's going to happen. He's going to answer their win question. He's going to answer what will the signs be of this. But He does this with with amazing precision. and, And don't miss over this. We don't understand all the things written here. And it takes some studying to be able to understand these things and bring them to light. And I hope to be able to do that for you in the coming messages. But Jesus was perfect in everything that he predicted to happen here. And it came to pass. But look, look how he answers these two questions with perfect precision about events to come. First, let's consider the when question. When would these things be? Verse 7. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled. For such things must happen, but the end is not yet. Verse 8. For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. Listen, Jesus is not just saying, these are some things that may or may not happen. These are things that, that, that um, there's a possibility. No, He is predicting things that will happen, and He's predicting them in the exact order that they will happen. And he's saying, listen, these are the things that are going to happen. Nation rise up against nation. Uh, you're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars. And you're gonna ha- there's going to be earthquakes and there's going to be famines and troubles. But he says these are the beginning of, of sorrows. So he says this is going to happen earlier on before 70 AD. Verse 11, but when they arrest you, and deliver you up. Do not be worried beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. But when they arrest you. And what do we read in the book of Acts? What do we go on to read in the book of Acts? As they go, as, as they spread out and they start to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, what do we see happening? They're arrested. <laughs> They're arrested. They're put in prison. Paul and Silas, Barnabas, put in prison. Peter, put in prison for preaching the gospel, right? We see these things happening in the book of Acts, just as Jesus predicted that they would happen. So they would know, hey, why am I being put into prison? Because all these things must come to pass. Jesus said that this was happen. These are signs. These are evidences that the time is drawing near. Verse 24. But in those days... See, precise. Speaking, going back and speaking about things that had just been said before. This desolation that was going to come upon Jerusalem, upon the temple. In those days, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers in the heavens will be shaking. Then... They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. When you see these things happening. Verse 29. So also, when you see these things happening, know that, the, that it is near at the doors. What is it? The destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple. When you see these things happen. So he says, talks about things that are going to happen at the beginning, right? In the middle and in the end. Perfect precision. Well, verse 30 is one of the most important verses in this whole passage of Scripture. And if you miss this verse, you will probably misinterpret much of this prophecy. And it answers the when question perfectly. Jesus said, assuredly. When Jesus says assuredly, He says, there is no doubt about this. There is no doubt about this. You can take this to the bank. You can count on me when I say this. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. You see that? He clarifies the when of when these things that he's talking about are going to happen. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. There we see the perfection of what Christ has said. He says, My words will by no means pass away. And then he says in verse 32, But of that day and hour, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So he, an- he answers with perfect precision the when of these future events. But not only the when of these future events, but What the signs will be. He gives them all the signs that are going to happen before the destruction comes. Verse 6, false messiahs. Verse 21 through 22, false Christs and false prophets. Verse 7, wars and rumors of wars. Verse 8, nation rising against nation. Earthquakes and famines. Verse 9, 12 and 13... Persecution of the disciples, betrayal, and hatred of their enemies. Verse 10, spreading of the gospel. Right? Jesus said in verse 10, And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. The gospel was going to be carried out from Jerusalem, from Judea, to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And God was going to take the persecution of His disciples and the persecution of His church to spread His Word. And that's what we read about in Acts. It says that the Word of the Lord grew and multiplied. The fiercer the persecution came, the more the Word of God spread. It says that they went everywhere as they were scattered abroad, preaching the Word. And the church grew and the gospel was being preached into all the world. Verse 14 The desolation would come. The abomination of desolation. Verse 24 through 27. A judgment would come from the Son of Man and also a gathering of His elect. So we see in this prophecy the perfect knowledge that Jesus Christ had concerning future events. And we see with precise detail, He accurately predicts these things that will come to pass. And so we can rejoice in the perfection of Jesus Christ in His omniscience. Not only was He all-powerful, He was also all-knowing. And you can take comfort from this today because Jesus Christ not only knew all of the things that were happening when He was alive and here on earth, and not only did He know all things that were about to come to pass, and did He predict them with perfect precision, but... He knows all of the things that have ever happened in your life. He knows everything that you're going through now. And He knows everything that will happen for the rest of your days. And He knows everything that will happen till the end of time. And He is on the throne and He is in control. And He said this after He resurrected, All power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And you can take comfort in knowing that Jesus Christ has mapped out all the details of your life. The deliverances, the salvation, the the persecutions, the trials and tribulations, all those are a part of His plan. And it says that they are all for our growth and for us all to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So you can take comfort in this truth today that Jesus knows all things. He knows your future and He knows your past and He knows what's going on in your life right now. And it says that He works all things together for good to those that love Him and are the called according to His purpose. So just as in this prophecy Jesus says, look, all these things are going to happen, but they're all going to work together for your good. And it's the same way today. Whatever you're going through, whatever your life is right now, Jesus is leading and guiding you and His perfect will is being done in your life and you can praise Him for His grace and mercy. Not only do we see in this prophecy His personal care for His disciples and also His precise details of future events, but thirdly, let's look at the beautiful prophetic imagery of judgment that we see in this prophecy. Jesus is the fulfillment, brothers and sisters, of all the prophets of the Old Testament. All the prophets of the Old Testament, they were just men. Right? They were men of, uh, just like we were, uh, of a sinful nature. But Jesus Christ was not of a sinful nature. He was the perfect man. He was the God-man. He was the man without sin. And He was the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophets. And so in Him giving these prophecies, in Him using this language, it is a fulfillment of the role that He came to fulfill, this role of the prophet. And Jesus Christ is the great prophet. And He is the, the fulfillment of all the prophets of the Old Testament. And we see here him using prophetic imagery, prophetic language to describe the coming judgment from God. Love what he said in verse 8. For a nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows, says in the translation I'm using, but another translation that says the beginning of birth pangs. So this beautiful imagery that Jesus is using that is saying that these uh, immediate signs, these, these uh, I'm sorry, these preliminary signs that you're going to see that he just talked about, false messiahs, false Christ, wars and rumors of war, nation rising up against nation and, and earthquakes and famines and all these things. He says these are like when a woman is pregnant and she gets the birth pangs that she's having as part of having uh, a child in her womb. The kicks, Right? the 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 times that the child is showing that it's alive and it's ready it's ready to come out right the birth pangs and so he's using prophetic imagery to show that the judgment is coming the birth is coming but it's not yet here these are yet just the birth pangs and then he says in verse 19 as we've looked at already he says for in those days there will be tribulation such as not been seen since the beginning of the creation when God created until this time, nor ever shall be. That's actually prophetic imagery. If you look at some other prophecies, it uses this similar language. Uh, let's just go to a few, for examples. Daniel chapter 12. Daniel prophesying about this. He says, And at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands, watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that time, and at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. So there you have that kind of Prophetic imagery that's used in that prophetic language. There shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. What is he saying? It's going to be really bad. It's going to be awful. The destruction that came upon Jerusalem and the, 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 the temple being destroyed in 70 AD, it was awful. It was awful. And that's what he's saying that it will be. Joel, in Joel chapter 2, talking about the day of the Lord, Joel says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess. A day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come, great and strong, the like of whom have never been, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. You see that? Same kind of language, same kind of imagery. Jesus fulfilling this kind of language from the prophets. And we also see it in verse 24 when he says, But in those days after the tribulation the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Cosmic events going on here. It's prophetic language. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers in the heavens will be shaking. They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Zephaniah Chapter 1. Zephaniah chapter 1 says this, verse 14 The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress. A day of devastation and desolation. A day of darkness and gloominess. A day of clouds and thick darkness. A day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. I will bring distress upon them and they shall walk like blind men. Think about these things and the way that it's talking. It's as if the sun doesn't shine and it's as, it's as if the moon doesn't give its light and it's as if the stars of heaven fall because there's such a, a weight of doom and gloom. There's such a weight of desolation and desecration around them that it's like the whole heavens have shook. And this is what Jesus is saying that it's going to be like. Isaiah chapter 13 Starting in verse 6. Well, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore, all hands will be limp. Every man's heart will melt. Okay, he's not talking about literal hearts melting, right? This is figurative language. This is prophetic language. This is language of imagery. It's as if your heart is melting Because of the grief, the sorrow, the fear. And they will be afraid. Pangs and sorrows will take hold of them. Listen to this. They will be in pain as a woman in childbirth. They will be amazed at one another. Their faces will be like flames. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and He will destroy its sinners from it. Listen to this. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. You see the imagery that's being used there? When the day of the Lord comes, when this day of destruction, this day of judgment comes, it's as if the sun doesn't shine, the moon doesn't give its light, and all the stars in heaven are falling. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. And he says in verse 26, the Son of Man will come in the clouds. This is judgment language. And I think he's specifically talking about the prophecy that Daniel made in Daniel chapter 7. Talking about the Son of Man. Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. I was watching in the night visions and behold one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. There it is, right? Coming with the clouds of heaven. Coming in judgment. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples nations and languages should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed So he's coming in judgment but he's also coming in his kingdom and it's an everlasting kingdom, and it's a kingdom that will overtake the world, and it will encompass all people, people of, peoples of the world, and is an everlasting dominion. So we just see in this, in Jesus using this language, how he perfectly fulfills the role of the prophet in using this beautiful prophetic imagery. Lastly, let's consider number four, the provision of Jesus for the perseverance of his disciples, so we've kind of already seen this in the personal care uh, that Jesus had for his disciples in the things that he said. but I think we see some some things even further here that not only show his personal care but how he actually says that he's going to provide for them during this time. Let's go back and let's look in chapter 13 of Mark. He says, verse 9, But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. Think about that. Encouragement. Think about that provision that Jesus Christ says He was going to give to His disciples. Whatever moment, whatever time, and whatever hour He says that it is given you to speak on behalf of His name, He says He will give you His Spirit. Whatever is given you in that hour, speak that, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. What a provision that Jesus Christ would give to His disciples to endure during this difficult time. And he would tell them this in the Gospel of John. He says, I must depart, I must go. It is better for me to go, for then I will send you the Holy Spirit, who will be your comforter, who will be your teacher, who will be your your, your counselor, who will be your guide, and he will lead you into all truth. He will give you what you need to say. And he will testify. Jesus says, I'm going to provide what you need in order to be able to persevere through the trial, through the coming judgment. And then as we looked already in verse 13, He says, But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So He's going to give you His Spirit to be able to endure. And those that endure to the end shall be saved from this coming destruction. And then... I love what he does in verses 14 through 18. He says, when you see this desecration happening, when you see this desolation coming, here's here's how I'm going to provide for you during this time. He tells them exactly what they need to do. At the end of verse 14, it says, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Get out of Jerusalem and flee to the mountains. Take shelter, take care for yourselves. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house nor enter to take anything out of his house. He says the time is so urgent and the time is so near and so close, you need to leave and you need to flee to the mountains. He's providing for them for their care and for their safety and for their welfare. And let him who is in the field, maybe you're out working in the field, you're gardening, not go back to get his clothes, just flee and go to the mountains. You're not going to have time. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. I pray that your flight may not be in winter. Jesus cares for the women. He cares for those who are nursing and who are pregnant. For in those days there will be such tribulation that has not been since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. So, And then he says in verse 20, And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. So not only does he say, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to give you my spirit, you're going to have this for that hour, for that time. Not only did he tell them exactly where they were to go, what they were to do, right? Flee to the mountains, don't take time to go back and pack up everything you have and try to take it all with you. No, just flee to the mountains. But he says, I will shorten those days for your sake. What a provision that he made for his people. And then he gives them a parable of the fig tree so that they can learn from that. He says, now this parable from the fig tree, when its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things happening, know that it is near at the doors. says, learn from this. I'm providing these signs for you so you know that the time is at hand and you can be on guard and you can watch. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass till all these things take place. And so he says, verse 33, Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants to each his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all watch. So Jesus is providing for his disciples so that they can persevere. He would provide for them and their salvation through all these things, and they could take comfort in this. Well, what do you learn from this today? Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. You also can take comfort that Jesus has provided everything you need. He has provided for you, for, for your past, present, and future for everything you need in your salvation to endure to the end. He's given you His Word. He's given you His Spirit. He's given you the church to be a part of. He's given you brothers and sisters in Christ. He's given you prayer. He's given you all these things. So just as He told His disciples to watch and pray, He is also telling us to watch and pray and be ready for His final coming, His final return, His second coming and we have many scriptures that tell us to be anticipating and to be watching and to be praying for that day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns and he puts to an end all of the sin all of the death and we uh, get to live with him forever in glory so I just rejoice in looking at this prophecy in the perfection of Jesus Christ and how He provided for His disciples, how He cared for them, how He perfectly predicted all these future events that come to pass, how He used this prophetic language, and how He provided everything that the disciples would need to persevere to the end. And so I hope that this has encouraged you to look at the perfection of Christ, not the weakness of the disciples, but at the perfection of Christ, that everything that He said came to pass, and that the disciples persevered through it all, that the church began to grow through it all, and that it has been growing and spreading throughout the whole world ever since this time. And we're living in that day and time now when the kingdom of God is is growing and spreading and just awaiting the return of the king. So help us to be faithful, as the encouragement is in the Scriptures. Be faithful to the end. As he who has called you is faithful, so be ye faithful until the end. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. So may God bless you and keep you, is my prayer.